Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you, folks. We honor and cherish this opportunity to come across your radios and your listening devices. And this week's a little different. We're playing consolidated classes from around the country just to give you an idea of what we're doing. So we've kind of jammed a, a few hours class into a quick session, but we think it's real important and it's a good time to listen. But listen, uh, Mrs. Wesco and I'll be right back with you next week, but we want you to listen to these messages. We think they're really important. And uh, then making the, and, and so you go on here and it says, making you the bad guy or the enemy for having feelings and reactions. You don't get to have your own feelings and reaction with a narcissist because it's not serving them. Now they can do it. You know, they cry crocodile tears and stuff like that. I had a pastor that was a narcissist. We had a pastor, ran a missions agency. It was a great pastor, great guy. Everything was good. He got replaced by a narcissist. And, uh, and I'll tell you, it just totally ruined the ministry. Tried to ruin us, but it didn't work uh, because we know God and we're just not, not going to worry about it. Yeah. And, uh, but making you the enemy, it's part of their game. Making you the enemy. Bad things you did as a kid. I just recommend you stay away from that. Yeah. You say most of them are, are men. Yeah. I've met some women. Yeah. But the majority of the narcissists I've met, so I, the majority, I would say 70, 80% of the narcissists that I've met and tried to counsel have been men. And then, but there are women narcissists. I've met them. Yeah. I'm not shutting them down. I'm just saying the ones I've met. I'm sure it's 50-50. I'm sure they're out there. It's just women narcissists. Maybe they're just screwing with other women. But are the yeah. women worse when they, when they have these tendencies? Or are they more outward with it? Or... No, I think that, uh, I think a narcissist, you, know, you got to remember, the narcissist is fueled by the devil. So they get their power from the devil, demons, evil things. That's what a narcissist does. And uh, so if you can think about this perspective that a narcissist will, uh, will have everything the devil has at his disposal. And we'll use it. And we'll use it. But they don't realize we have everything that God has at his disposal. And we have the Holy Spirit. And the reason I go through these slides and look at this thing is so that we know and we don't put ourselves in this position again. We don't want to be in this position again. You know, if, if this has happened to us before, we don't want to go back there. If it's not happened to us, we want to know what to look for. And I, I you know, I coined a phrase down at Pensacola Christian College years ago. I was preaching to the senior class, uh, junior and senior class, the upperclassmen. And I told them I would rather be single wanting to be married than be married wanting to be single. That we really need to take our time, look around, seek God's will. Because if you marry into something like this, it's going to be a mess. Yeah. Uh, on that, so, say a person marries into a situation and 
Yeah. They they start to realize so they're okay for decades down the road. And how how does one what is the recourse? I mean, what's the best? So say it's the, the families of church, the the, the, the father. What do you say? Because you talked about male. Yeah. Okay. That they're 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 seemingly outwardly they're yeah. doing things so. Uh, I really, they're gaslighting the whole situation because they're putting on a false pretense. Yeah. Okay, but in, within the confines of the four walls of the home, yeah. Uh, that this this whole situation, there, you know, it's going on where, or maybe the kids now have left the house. I don't even know, but there's just, I think there's a lot of situations here that. Yeah. I I would, uh, I would just be curious. Well, I can give you some examples of this kind of situation. Sadly, it runs rampant. You know, people will put up with this for years and years, and it turns into abuse and fornication and all kinds. Of, it just manifests itself over and over again and because I'm the only good person. You're not giving me what I need. You're not helping me. And, and so I have a biblical bill of rights on my computer that I'll send pastor. It's a biblical bill of rights for people who are married. And I think it's an important document uh, saying how we should be treated. Uh, you know, uh, God loves marriage and wants people to stay married, but God loves people and he doesn't want them abused. And a lot of these narcissists, uh, you know, they're abusing people. In, in the fornication thing, I mean, that's an overt uh, reason biblically to get a divorce. Some of these other reasons are at least a biblical reason to separate, get into biblical counseling and figure out how in the world we can get through this. I've seen a few people get right. Some people, when you separate from them and say, hey, I just can't live through this junk, they get better. Some people are like, I've seen three people do it, uh, out of hundreds, unfortunately. But we can't live in abuse. We, we can't live in that abuse zone. You know, it ruins our lives. It ruins our kids' lives. If we're not careful, it's going to ruin our grandkids' lives. And, you know, we get a chance at being happy. You know, everybody gets a chance at being happy in life. I feel bad. You know, we go around, we'll talk to people a lot. And... Uh, just even at every conference, I tell Debbie, you know, these people have these marriages and stuff. And it's like, whoa. Because we don't know. And we mess with each other. But, I mean, we, we're still married and stuff. You know, we still dig each other. And we get caught on an elevator. We still make out and all that stuff. And <laughs> so I, but I think pastor's question is something we real, all need to consider if we're going through this. And sometimes a separation for the sake of health and mental health. And figuring out if the, the guy will go th or the girl will go through counseling. And that we can get to the point of maybe reconcile things. But sometimes you have that fornication and those things that the Bible point to. You know, we can't, we can't fix everything. God can, but some people will not submit to God. Yeah, go ahead, Tori. Yeah. Because that person chose to pull back, no contact. Yeah. Okay. My question is, though, is for this new generation. Okay. Yeah. Do the, you do the hard thing? Then you got a new generation of young people that don't want this. 
don't want that for your kids, right? So how do we help the new generation see themselves and be praying for them? Yeah. So they don't fall into this. Yeah. There's a lot of mixed up teaching. Yeah. Between like the eight seventies and nineties, two thousands that have great habit. On what marriage truly is. Yeah, and Gothard was one of those guys. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I, I think, yeah, I, I know exactly. I've seen exactly what Tori's talking about. And so I, I kind of know from the perspective of the people I've seen. And you have to train these people. They have to be in the church. They have to be in biblical counseling. You have to say the sky is blue. And people are happy in marriage. And people are happy. And people do go forward. And, and sometimes there's new husbands and wives that join us. Uh, and sometimes there's great things that go forward. And we just got to f- trust God in these things. You know, we got to trust God in these things. We, we got to get rid of those things. You know, the Apostle Paul, think about Alexander the coppersmith for a minute. He brought him all kinds of evil with all this same kind of junk. He wanted to be better. He wanted to, you know, he, had, he knew what was going on, all that stuff. And Paul said he had, he had to turn them over to, to the devil, man. He said, God, you know, give them what they deserve. Uh, and you hope they get right, but we can't live in an abuse situation, and we can't let kids stay in that abuse situation. Once the abuser leaves, we have to reprogram. We have to sit down with the Bible and stuff and say, this is what a family really looks like. This is what a husband and wife look like. This is what a marriage looks like. And because it's so easy to get caught in those other things. And it's so easy to get caught up in that. And so I think it's, I think it's very doable, especially with kids. Because kids know that one parent's a knucklehead if one parent's a knucklehead. Kids, kids aren't stupid. You know, you love your parents, but you know that one of them you don't feel good when the car pulls in the driveway. You know, kids know that. So if you start right away and you just put everything out there and just say, hey, you know, um, this isn't how we're going to live our life. We're going to live our life in a godly way. We're going to trust God and we're going to do these things. And the problem is with people with PTSD, they, they have a tendency to go over to things like this too. Or people come back from war and stuff. They, they hop on the bandwagon with some of these people who used to come through in the 90s and early 2000s and telling us that the father's a priesthood. You only go to, your father does your church services or at least your Sunday school. Uh, and before you know it, the father can remember or memorize five verses and he uses them against the family over and over and over again. Yeah. So that would be extreme. Yeah. Even within conservative Christianity, yeah. there would be this idea of authoritarian, yeah. and where it's almost, where it's just, it's very unhealthy. Yeah. And it's, I guess that's more of what I'm, I'm seeing in regards to that generation, kind of much what Tori talked about the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. There's three, four decades in there where it wasn't so much priesthood and where that, yes, that existed, but where it was just this sectarian, really dominating, yeah. you know, rule the family as an iron fist. Yeah. Type of a, a, a thing, but yeah. still trying to put a cloak of grace on the outward. Well, there's good news about that. So we, we all know that First Peter 3 is in the Bible. 
uh, you know, uh, women submit yourself, but nobody ever reads the rest that goes along with it. That's talking to Christians who are supposed to love their wife as Christ loved the church, who are supposed to raise their kids and love the kids. So that group of people, they're not doing that. So they're outside of God's will for their family, their, the church. Now, we were in a church like that. We had a pastor who was a dictator, and I mean, it was hard. It was very difficult. We had a pastor. We've had pastors. You know, we had the narcissist. We had the dictator. I have a pastor now. He's still kind of freaking me out because he's normal. He's totally normal. <laughs> and, you know, it's like people leave the church and say, hey, pastor, I'm going down the road because I'm going to serve as a music leader. We have a going away party for him, and we don't hate him. And that's still freaking me out. Man. Everybody's hugging him goodbye, slipping him a 20, saying how much we love him. Thanks for being part of our church. Thanks for helping our lives. They come by on special nights. I'm not used to any of that, you know. We're supposed to be hating each other. That's a, so I know exactly what's being said is what pastor's saying is it's real easy for people to get caught up in that church. You're the only group in this esoteric, no other, better way of saying it, small group. With the Baptist warlords is what I said in one of my books. As, uh, you know, they're the only ones who can train people. They're the only ones who can take care of people. No, I'm saying that I'm saying they are saved. That's what, the, that's what they have. That's why none of that Bible, right, it's a whole work thing. It's a whole dictator thing. I think that group's different. I think they're saved. I, th I think it's more than a form of godliness. I think they get saved ugly and narrow and out, completely outside of God's will. And I tell people all the time, show me in the Bible where you've got to stay at a church with an idiot. Somebody, anybody, show me you've got to stay in a church with an idiot. It's not there, man. I've read the whole thing 37 times or something like that. You're not going to find it. You get to go to another church. You know, if you go one day, man, that guy's an idiot. You just got to say, it's okay. You know, I'm just going to go right to Solid Rock. You know? <laughs> Former dictator, pastors, people, welcome here. You know? No idiots on premises. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you got to get away from it. No, and I agree. But you don't have the good news about that, honestly, is you don't have to stay in those churches and just get people out. You you, we got this church here. We get to have fun here, man. I got cargo pants on. Yeah. <laughs> I got an LL Beam. I'm feeling good this morning, man. I. We were out talking to the cows this morning. Did but you hear that? What? She said, at least you're dressed. There you go. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm going to wear the bow tie. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's not. <laughs> All right, we're hearing from sound and media back there. John's just smiling, though. All right, and then number eight, look at seven and eight. Haven't, oh, no, no, go back. I'm sorry. Uh, having a lack of interest in the one of you as a person, they, have, they don't care about you. Number eight, a huge sense of entitlement. You owe them everything. Let me tell you, can I tell you this? Listen to me. You can beg them. You can plead with them. You can uh, do anything they want. You can be a slave to them. You, you can do it. It's not going to change them. Only one thing changes people, and that's the Holy Spirit of God convicting their hearts and them accepting that. It's one process. I know it sounds like two things, but it's one process. If the Holy Spirit... Uh, puts them in the right place. They accept it and they move forward. It's the only way people are going to change. I work with people who are constantly trying to, especially ladies <clears throat> who have uh, really just wonderful people trying to hold on to things and save things and they beg, they plead, they 
cook the right meal, do everything they want. They can be a live-in slave doing all the things this person wants. They're not going to change until the Holy Spirit of God shows up and changes people. And it's not nothing we did. You're not a bad wife. You're not a bad husband. You're not a bad kid. You're not a bad... You know what I'm saying? It's just these people are knuckleheads. And, but we want to quantify ourselves in that. Well, I couldn't have been a good wife, or I couldn't have been a good husband, or I couldn't have been a good kid. And that's why I wanted to look at these slides, because it's not true. That's what these people do. You did everything right. Yeah, next slide. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you got to love, you got to pray. Uh, maybe at some point there's an open door where you can share the gospel, tell them what they did to you. But again, I, I just want to give you this. If there's still so much pain that you're crying and hurting, you do the Alexander the Coppersmith thing and you move forward with God and you pray for them. If there's still that much pain, you can't go back and get in the pain again because you're just going to be triggered. You're going to be living upside down. You're going to be hating life. You're going to be miserable. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your new family, your husband, your kids, and all that. One, there's one person ahead of you back there, Debbie. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's this weird cycle of, like I told you, I had three sisters. They all married losers. My father was a loser, a narcissist. And I think that, I think we've got to break the cycle. They're generational cycles. They're generational sins. And we've got to do that at the altar. And we've got to seek God. And we've got to help people and say, hey, you're marrying somebody just like dad or mom. They drive us crazy. We've got to break the generational sin. We've we got to repent of it, give it to God, uh, and and I tell you, I think I have within me. My father was a narcissist. Now, I don't lean that way. I don't yell at my wife. I, never hit, I hit my wife once, a whole marriage, not purposely. We went to a wrestling match, WWF, Hulk Hogan and stuff. We went to WrestleMania two or something like that. So I, I'm on Army recruiting duty, and, and uh, we had this big, huge waterbed in our living room. No one came to see us after that. I brought Debbie a waterbed. It wouldn't fit in the bedroom. So we put it in our living room and took over. We, we, there was... There was there was like three months we just would go to work from that bed. But anyway, uh, we had a mattress up against the wall, and I won this award to go to WWF WrestleMania 1. So Debbie and I go to WrestleMania, and this lieutenant picked us up, took us out to eat, took us to WrestleMania, took us home. We got home, and we're wrestling, and I had the old mattress up against the wall, and I, you know, would make believe I was doing a clothesline. We did it. We did it all. We had issues, all right? So I, I, I threw it into that mattress just slowly, you know, and she'd go just slowly, and she'd bounce forward. And we usually, you know, I'd make believe I was doing a, you know, clothesline in her, and she'd grab my arm and slip up under me, and I'd pin her, and she'd beat me up. And anyway, that was, it, it was part of a weird ritual in the early 80s. But, but anyway, to make a long story short, I, I threw her into that bed mattress one time. She came bouncing off. I put my arm out, and she, I clotheslined her. And since that was 1983, not long after we got married, uh, I never did it again. Thanks, John. 
And she beat the snot out of me, just so you know. All right, there was another question. Yeah, go ahead. Five, yeah. Well, you gotta. I get really aggressive with my mother. I got a paper called, uh, yeah, I have a paper called uh, Biblical Rights to Marriage, and then we got another one, Family Biblical Rights. You just gotta tell your mother, I'm a born again Christian who accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if she knows what that is, good. If she doesn't, and I'm gonna live a life that's outside of anger, disruption, and being upside down. And if you can't operate in the realm of godliness, you can't operate with us. And uh, I love you. I hope I get to see you in heaven. This hurts me more than anything, but I have a family, I have a life, and I need to move forward. And otherwise, we're just going to get stuck in this cycle of never healing and things like that. Um, my mother was a narcissist. She was. Totalitarian dictator. She didn't like me. She didn't like anybody. She didn't like anybody. I don't think she liked herself. She was German. She grew up in Germany during World War II as a teenager. So she had some past, too. Now, she would never tell you that, but um, it got to the point in our relationship, I stopped making my boys and my husband go to see her. I, didn't, I never made them. I just, they, they came. And I, it just got to the point where it was like, Mom, I'm here to visit. I'd love to stay and visit with you and, and have a nice conversation. But if you start to get ugly, I'm leaving. Yeah. And that's the way it's going to be. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. You got to do it. If you said something ugly, I'd say, Mom, you just got ugly and I'm leaving. Yeah. Bye. I yeah. do love you and I keep continue to pray for you, but I'm gone. Okay. We need to talk later. Yeah, that's, that's what I was just going to recommend. So, hey, so here we go. I want to point out that this is an actual disorder. It's a mental condition. It's real. These people are not healthy. And it's called the narcissistic personality disorder. It's a mental condition. And, uh, you know, behind this self-confidence, they have no confidence at all. Behind their rhetoric and their yelling and all that, they're vulnerable. They're upside down. And it, it affects work, financial life, home, things like that. We don't need to be around people like this. And uh, yes. No, that's okay. I smoked pot when I was younger too. It's, 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 uh, it's okay. It, it, com it comes back after about three decades. Yeah. Next slide. Okay. There we go. Uh, they're generally unhappy and disappointed when they're not given special favors. They may find relationships unfulfilling. Big surprise. Again, the best looking person they'll see on any day is the person they see when they look in the mirror. So you've got to understand that. So you're not going to measure up to that. Next slide. They have an exaggerated sense of self-importance, have an entitlement and require constant attention, admiration. Uh, they need to be recognized as a superior. They, they, have, they exaggerate their achievements and talents. They're preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or a perfect mate. They believe they are superior and can only associate with equally special people. 
And you're never going to be special. They've never met anybody who's equally special. That's why it ruins lives. Next slide. They monopolize conversations, belittle or look down on people they perceive as inferior, expect special favors, take advantage of others. You see it there. Unable, unwilling to recognize needs. Envious of others and believe others envy them. Behave in an arrogant or haughty manner. Coming across as conceited, boastful, and pretentious. Insist on having the best of everything. Next slide. Now, now I know you guys know people like this. They become impatient or angry when they don't get that special treatment. They have significant interpersonal problems. They'll shut you down. They'll give you the silent treatment. They'll uh, pay no attention to you. They will not have interpersonal communication. If you make them mad and say, no, you're wrong, uh, it can be ugly. They react with rage or contempt to try to belittle the other person and make themselves appear superior. They have diff difficulty uh, regulating emotions and behavior. Next slide. So again, this is all narcissistic personality disorder. And, and you keep on. Let's do the Bible. You can go down. We kind of hit these other ones anyway. You can go down one more, John. Thank you, Brother John. And we see here, uh, the Bible teaches us some things about this. It reminds us that people will be lovers of their own selves. So Paul's pointing that out to Timothy. Look out for these people. And he's, he's putting it out to Timothy who's going to be having churches. He's basically saying, you don't need these people in your church. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah, you know, you got enough problems the way it is now. And you can pick out our narcissists in the church in just a second. I remember I was a treasurer one time for about six hours in our church. I, told, I said, Pastor, you don't want me to be their treasurer. He's like, well, you got a business guy. I'm like, Pastor, I know this other guy's moving. You don't want me to be the treasurer. I'm not that guy. And, uh, I mean, so I spend a couple days doing the books, getting everything right. Go to a business meeting, and this one guy keeps raising his hand saying how important he is, how we should, instead of building a new auditorium, we need to build a new gymnasium, how the pastor's a freak. Gymnasiums will bring people. There'll be people lined up around the corner for a gymnasium. And it finally got to the point where I said, sit down $7 last year. It just bothered me. Yeah. Then $3, he sat down too. And... Uh, and then I got fired as the treasurer. <laughs> but much love was given to me from that point forward there at the church. And uh, so I had a, at that time, we, we had a five-year-old son that was given $7 a week. <laughs> and that guy gave $7 for the year. Yeah. So you can see what's going on there. Next slide. So you can look at these verses. Yeah, I'm messed up. I'm sorry about it. Are you the treasurer? Is that why you're laughing so hard? Is she the treasurer? Yeah. You know everything, man. I would go, I'd be there on the computer, I'd go, no! That big mouth only gave seven bucks last year. It was like, you gotta be kidding me. Hey, somebody with a big, loud, booming voice, read this for me, this slide. Yeah. 
Yeah, so these guys can show up, you know, no jobs, saying all the right things, doing all the right things, try to steal the women, and these women show up, try to do it with the men. And he's warning us about this stuff and saying, stay away from these knuckleheads. Look out. Hey, this is a message to Timothy. And uh, he's telling Timothy, you know, we got churches being planted out there. We need to be very careful. Because what is the church? You know, it's, it's part of God, right? He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. So it's a pretty big deal. Next slide. And it goes on to talk about perilous, very dangerous, last days, coming to Christ. People will be lovers of their own self, the opposite of being humble. People will be lovers of money. People will be boasters, proud, high-minded, blasphemers. People will be disobedient to their parents. Next slide. People will be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiven. Anybody ever meet any of these people? These are all narcissists. People will be without self-control. They'll be brutal, despisers of God. They'll be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers themselves. Uh, narcissists, I read a thing one time that married narcissists have affairs about 87% of the time. Because remember, they can't live up to what they're going through. And it's usually multiple. These are lovers of their own self. They're trying to find this thing. These are people who are hooked on these. And you got to remember another thing about people with PTSD and people who deal with the things we deal with. We want to live in an outside reality, this alternate reality. So people like this, you, get, you can get caught up in pornography. You can get caught up in uh, trying to make level 12 and capturing the princess for a year and a half. Uh, there's people who do that. They literally play video games for years at a time so they can capture the princess or something. I can think of something a lot better to do with my time than video games. And, uh, but it's an alternate reality when you're dealing with a lot of things we deal with. Yes. Well, it's great to be back with you folks. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this session today. Hey, we got another one tomorrow, so hang in there. And uh, if we can do anything to help, make sure you drop me a note out of there at Doug at WoundedSpirits.com. Helpful Wounded Spirits Facebook page. We sure do love you folks. We're praying for you. Listen to every word Brother Eric has to tell you. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you.
Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at Wounded Spirits.